Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Disagreements are incredibly valuable. But when you have resentment in your heart, disagreements are not disagreements, they're declaration of war. You don't win, I don't win, we win. Mm -hmm. But we have to be accepting of one another. Mm -hmm. And when I say accepting, I mean... Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. I wanted to start by asking this question. We just got to chat and catch up for the last hour almost, which uh -huh. has been fun. Mm -hmm. You've had an amazing last few years. I mean, some beautiful things have happened, some also tragedies and challenges have happened. And I want to start by asking you this. On a scale of one to 10, of self-love, peace, and freedom, 10 being you have incredible self-love for yourself, 100% freedom and mm -hmm. peace internally, externally. One being you feel trapped in a prisoner of, of <laughs> everything in the world right. and you have no self-love. Right. Where would you be on a scale from one to 10 right now? And I could choose any number, right? Any number from one to 10, where do you feel right now? Seven. Seven. Yeah, seven. What's missing for you to be a eight, nine, or 10? Three different answers to that, right? One is I have never in my life felt comfortable with my body. Doesn't matter. I can show you a picture right now of me standing up, shoulders popping out, biceps jacked, bolt, jacked shredded. ready to go, shredded, right? And I'm taking the picture in a dressing room of, uh, uh, of a Zara. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the reason why I'm taking the picture is because I'm sending it to Kalika to ask her if I look fat in what I'm wearing. Wow. So growing up and like always having issues with my weight, I've never, ever, ever just felt comfortable. I've doesn't matter. And I've been in such great shape, man. I've been in shape. I, there was a point where I was doing 400 push-ups a day while I was going to the gym, playing basketball, boxing. I still very, very active. I box every morning. I've never been a shirt off at the beach guy. I've never been just, hey, we're hanging around. So that's something, learning how to like be completely free and at peace with who I am, mm. you know what I mean? Is still something that I'm working towards even at 42. Um, also, I personally feel like there's gonna be a point in my life where I'm in control of my talent, meaning that I dictate sort of uh, the rhythms and steps that needs to happen in my career because that's what I want to do. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, he's just talking about not having a job. And I'm not talking about not having a job. I'm talking about to where there's a group of people in my orbit that make sure I have all the little delicacies I need just to sit back and create. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about mm -hmm. like, you know, your dates are ready. You know, like your, 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 your cashews are nicely warm. <laughs> right, right. And I get up and I write all day and I'm producing and inspiring people. And not that I don't have any problems or responsibilities, just that I've cleared out all the cobwebs in my life to where I can be purely focused on creation and problem solving and solution building. And I'm not there yet. Mm. I'm getting close to that. Right? Yeah. 
What would you need in order for that to happen? Is it an amount of money in the bank? Is it an amount of accomplishments? Is it letting go of certain things? Is it projects concluding at certain points? It's understanding what that really, what, what it takes to build that. Uh-huh. Which right now, I understand that I'm closer to it than I was before, but I have to be a little bit more intentional about it now. Yes. Now, and it, now I need to understand where I need to be living, like what people I need to surround myself with, uh, what I need to let go of. Letting go is incredibly difficult because if right now I make my money with my mouth, talk, talk, talk all day long, talk, talk, talk all day long. Sometimes that's less than fulfilling. Like mm-hmm. you say so many mm-hmm. words, you end up kind of sometimes filling the air with regret sometimes mm-hmm. and with things that you didn't mean to say or with things that came mm-hmm. out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, so for me, I think the intentionality that I want for my life is going to have to come with a certain amount of financial freedom because mm-hmm. that gives me the space yeah. to like really sit in my thoughts. Interesting. Um, What's the number one thing you feel like you need to let go of? Doubt. What do you doubt the most? If you're asking me seriously, what I doubt is that I belong here. Belong where? Where I'm at. Mm. I don't see anything special about myself, mm-hmm. if I'm being real. I, like, I, it, it feels like this. So what happened, what happened to me was, was working at TMZ, Kanye West comes into the room, me mm-hmm. and Kanye have this moment, right? And, and then all of a sudden you things change, take off. Right? Boom, right? This is what, four years ago? Four years ago, right? And, and you were at TMZ for how long at that point? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Senior producer, producing Senior shows. Senior producer, producing shows. So you were on TMZ as talent, I guess, mm-hmm. every day? Every day. Three but times was, a day. But it was like 30 people at the same time. It was yeah. like a, the newsroom. Right. Well, there were a couple of different shows. So there was TMZ on television where it's everybody on there. Yes. Then there was TMZ Live where it's Harvey and Charles. I will sometimes host that show. Um, but then there was TMZ Sports where it was me and Evan. And we would co-host the show. Yeah. I think when you visited, we were doing TMZ Sports. Yeah. You had a chance to meet Evan and Harvey and everyone. And so uh, I'm I'm doing all of these things. And really, in that little ecosystem, I'm the man. Right? So, And I'm feeling good about that. You know what I think about? I think about what happens if Kanye never walks into the room. Where would you be? Yeah. What then? So he comes into the room. We have this moment. Everyone then sort of uh, goes, hey, this guy's talented, this, and I get a chance to display all of these things to different people. I mean, great After people. seven years of- After seven years of doing basically the same, same thing every, every day. day and putting on every day and proving myself there, one moment changes it. And I think to myself, if that never happens, then what happens to me? Interesting. And, and it, it, it's a weird way to look at life because it did happen, right? Um, and a moment came and I met the moment, but And you stood up and you said something right. and you shared an opinion. Yeah, and that's in my character to do, but it didn't have to happen, right? And when something, when a career comes from something, that's not where my career came from. I was prepared for that moment. But when you look at all of these steps that happen along the way, all of these things that happen, sometimes I put it together and the more you give it to luck, the more you say, hey, there are some fortunate things to happen. Because I look at people all the time and I go, these people are brilliant. These people are absolutely one of a kind. Talented, unique. Talented, yeah. unique. It's sometimes hard to, to think of yourself as somebody that uh, whose opinion matters or who people want to hear from, or who people need a book from. 
Um, and some when you're writing something sometimes or when you're going through something sometimes, no matter what comes from it, you think, huh, huh. Like, what if? Like, mm-hmm. what is really inside of me that makes me think that I should be telling people anything? And I think that's something. And I think sometimes being where I'm from, uh, coming from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up up in, I think imposter syndrome is sometimes something that a lot of people have to have to have to kind of get through because the most talented people I've known growing up, a lot of them didn't make it out of Baton Rouge. They did not make it, and they were quote unquote more talented than you. They were, I've known beautiful, amazing, super smart, whip smart, uh, the funniest people. Um, I've known the most talented athletes all get caught up. Like people that just walk into a room and everybody goes, oh my God, she's here. Oh my God, he's here. Makes everybody feel better. Mm-hmm. And just like a Tiffany or a Kevin or any of these people times 10. And it just, they, you end up reading about them. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. And sometimes when that happens, you think, of all the people, like I'm in LA doing my thing, and right. I haven't made it to where I want to, to where I want to be yet. I still got a lot of w- more work to do, but sometimes I think I have to be, I have to be comfortable that I'm maximizing the gifts that God gave me, mm-hmm. and that wherever I go, is uh, that I gave it my best shot. Yeah. Meaning, I don't want anything more than what my talent guarantees me. So I don't want to get anything just because I was in the right place at the right time. Like, I don't want to get anything just because I know the right person, even though that's a very popular refrain in Los Angeles. I want to get the maximum amount that my talent allows me to have, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get one scintilla less, but I don't want to get one scintilla more because I feel weird about it. Do you feel like that limits you from what's potentially could come your way? Sometimes. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, when we first hooked, like, when we first hooked up, I was trying, I was thinking, like, what's this guy's game? Because I really was. I was, yeah, thinking, yeah. I was thinking because we, we started talking, like, and then you came out to the office, way out to Playa Vista. Yeah. You walk in there, and you're looking around, and everybody's like, I remember people, was that, was, I'm like, yeah, yeah, come meet him. And it was, it was like a whole deal. I was like, like, why would somebody be, like, sort of that open uh-huh. um, and that interested? And even you gave me, this was the first time we met. This book, you gave me advice on it. That's four mm. years ago. Mm. So, I don't know, man. It was just kind of a, um, it's just kind of sometimes a thing to where, I, even on this show, I'm hosting a television show right now, and I'll ask people how I'm doing, and they'll be like, Jesus, like, you're doing really well. And I'm like, really? Because I don't feel like I'm nailing it. You're asking other people, how do you think I'm doing? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Why do you feel like you have the need to ask people, hey, how do you think I'm showing up or doing? Because I think... You want the validation? You want to feel like you're in the right place? Well, and we'll talk about this later. So I recently lost my father. And I don't mean to come off like I am not confident in who I am. I'm very confident in who I am. Uh, I'm more confident in things that like, if we get to playing sports, if we boxing in the ring, I know when I hit you. Dude, you should come to boxing with me. I do it twice a week. Where you boxing? I just got a, a private trainer that I do one on one with. Oh, for real? Yeah. We do yeah. no sparring in the head, though. It's right. just body sparring and fun. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just come out. I will definitely will. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. see what's up. Um, so I know when I hit somebody. When I'm, and when I'm playing ball, I know when I scored. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. It's there. There's nothing you can say. Yeah. Like, I just scored on you. 
I'll run back down and see what you can do. Let's right. get it. You know what I mean? I know it. All this other thing is up for interpretation. We uh-huh. made a movie. It won an Oscar. Some people hated it. Who's right? You know what I mean? And you can live your life in that. You can live your life in that thing of, I just did this thing. Am I going to be defined by who loves it? Or am I going to be defined by who hated it? Or I'm going to be defined by the thing itself. And sometimes it's hard mm. to readjust that. And for me, a lot of that comes from, you know, the fact that my father, who uh, passed away this past July, was this indomitable Superman. Really? Lewis, he was amazing. Wow. He was like a, uh, tell you a little quick story. So like, my dad's from Maryland, Louisiana, population 1800, something like that, it's across the river. Baton Rouge is here. You go west across the Mississippi River, about 30 minutes, you're in Maryland. Very, very small town. Very small town. Uh, mostly black, mostly farmers, sugar cane, whatever you want. Hunting, fishing, all of that. My right. dad was a man's man. Horseback rider. Uh, he could, he could, there's literally a story of an uncle at one of our family get-togethers <laughs> drinking too much. He's got a Hennessy bottle in his hand. Everybody was laughing at him, like, put the Hennessy down. And all of a sudden, the bottle yanks out of his hand. And you see on the other guy, other side a guy pulling the bottle. My father had thrown a lariat. Wow. And he lassoed it. A lasso, <laughs> like wow. lassoed it out of his hand, you know. It's easier than you think it is. Right. Especially if the guy's drunk. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so he was that kind of man. One day we were all inside the crib. There's a big old wasp in the house, right? Big old wasp, big country wasp, big mm. Louisiana wasp. And me and my boys are like, we're in there. We're like, oh, man, watch, don't let it get you, don't let it get you. My dad walks in and he goes, Dang. Y'all all right? Jeez. And then later on, I look at his hand and there's a big welt. It's not like it didn't sting. Just sometimes you got to kill the wasp. Wow. You know what I mean? And my whole life, I spent it trying to make him look at me the way I looked at him. I tried to overachieve sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I tried to defy him. Because nobody could tell him what to do. And I would figure the only person that he would respect is somebody who he couldn't tell what to do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but more than anything, I tried to hold myself to the mythical standard that I held him to. Mm. Which is, had to be the best, had to be this. Um, and then at one point in my life, I felt like I realized that it was impossible. So I stopped holding myself to any standard. That's when, after college, my weight ballooned up to 370 pounds. That's wow. when I was just hanging out. That's when I almost used uh, the inability of myself to achieve or the fact that, or my slovenness or whatever you want to say or whatever, my shiftlessness, my lack of direction to antagonize him, mm. to make him see me as what, uh, as what he actually wasn't. I think part of that is now that he's gone or even before he was gone, I'm still searching for that validation, but from other places. So you were searching for validation from him? Yes. And now that he's gone, do you ever feel like you got validation from him? No. He didn't know. He didn't know how to do that. Mm. It didn't matter what you did. You win an Oscar, he's not going to oh, validate he, you. Won the Oscar, he get a call. My dad's a great guy. He, he, was, a great, he was a great guy. Just his way. You know yeah. what I mean? Won an Oscar, get a call. Um, boy... <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Boy, I'm 41. 
Um, <laughs> or, 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 or I think 40 at that point. Boy? Yes, sir. What, what people keep telling me about some award that you won? I was like, oh, yeah, so my company, we won an Academy Award. That's the highest honor in cinema, in film. So what you did for it? We made a movie, mm. and we won. He's like, oh, okay, it's like a short film, 30 minutes long. He's like, well, why do people keep calling me about it? Well, they're probably calling you because it's a pretty big, amazing thing. <laughs> a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they want to know what you think about it. Mm-hmm. He was oblivious to it. Wow. You see if I see if I had killed a 10-point buck and field dressed him, which I've done before, and then and brought him the, the some so, back strap or ground him up into some sausage, that's something he would have appreciated more. Mm, <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? He was it was impossible for him to validate anyone because nothing meant anything to him. There was like three things that would matter. If I had been drafted first in the NFL, mm-hmm. that might have worked for a little while because if I had a bad game, <laughs> like, be on you, yeah. right, right. So there was he didn't. He's not the type of man that believed in validation because to validate was to be complacent. Uh-huh. And so what he wanted you to do was to continue to strive. To him, pressure made diamonds. Mm-hmm. And like he he tell me all the time, he'd be like, "I need you to be more concerned and more afraid of me." than you are of what's going on in the streets because I can't have you listening to them. Wow. So they ask you to do something, you got to be able to be, I know you'll be scared, you got to be able to say no to them because you're afraid of me. True. So our relationship was based on, if you ask me, him trying to keep me alive and him pushing me to be something that it became apparent after a while that I wasn't. You know, he They showed me Star Wars and then a, a year later he's like, you're too obsessed with Star Wars. Mm. It's like it's just a movie. Like mm. you don't need ten books right. and T-shirts right. and all of that stuff. Like you're too obsessed with it, son. Like you gotta learn what's real and what's not. And I was like, nope. Going to Tatooine. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like I, I was, I was just. That's kind of who I was. And so, I think, for me now, the unanswered question of who I am has a lot to do with the fact that I never really got a chance to define it with the one person whose opinion mattered to me, mm-hmm. you know? And he never considered things in that way. Mm. It was action, reaction, responsibility. Action, reaction, responsibility. This is my family, this is my son. Right. I'm gonna make him, I'm gonna make him, I'm gonna make him a man that everyone, uh, I'm gonna make him a man that everybody fears, and respects right because I'm a man that everybody fears and respects and if he's not a man that everybody fears and respects then he's not the type of man that I am and mm. nobody's afraid of me and I don't want them to be right <laughs> people, people like you people love right, you right, yeah. right, right. what do you why do you think it's uh, in general for a lot of people the need to be validated by parents or people in general why do you think there's a need to be validated in order to feel like we belong or fit in or we're good enough because a lot of times I think, so society is full of these little treaties, right? Like these little bitty treaties. Like right now, me and you are in an agreement. The agreement is that you'll sit on your side of the table and I'll sit on my side of the table. We did that just like, like instinctively mm-hmm. because we need this conversation to go in a certain way. We, you need to ask questions. I need to answer questions. And we need to do, if I come right now 
out of no out of no reason and just sit on your lap or try to get up and move you out of your seat and make you sit in my seat and don't give any explanation why you're going to be like society is full of all these little things that we do um because we're supposed to do them to mm-hmm. make things go along at yeah, a pace yeah. that, that that works right and i think the only people sometimes that we don't make those treaties with or we make them too late with are our parents mm-hmm. our parents don't or at least in my culture where i'm from um where i'm from i made no agreements with my parents all i got was directives and because i i got those directives from them i learned to look at them as more of symbols for things than actual people one of my favorite parts about my job is that i get the opportunity to travel a lot and in fact i'm recording this right now while i'm in mexico and actually i was thinking about something that i wanted to share because i get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas so here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like i am or traveling a lot when you're staying in your airbnb on your trips have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through airbnb while your home is vacant if you're interested in an extra stream of income airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host at capella university you'll get support from people who care about your success from before you enroll to after you graduate pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it imagine your future differently at capella.edu right so it was hard for my dad to validate me mm. because I don't know enough about him. I don't know what even his, I don't even know what validation would mean coming from him. I right. don't know how he does that. Like even when he died, I thought about myself. It's like I would say, people would ask me what happened. I would say my father died. I would never say Van Lathan Sr. died. I would center him in the way that I know him, which is as my dad, mm-hmm. which makes sense to do that's the definition of who he is but if i looked at his life in its totality mm. i might understand what's going on so looking for validation from something that you truly don't understand is a losing game mm. and i i often wonder how much we understand our parents sometimes how much we understand what their goals and dreams and aspirations for us are because they normally don't have to do with who we are they normally have to do with what they think success and what they think being a well-adjusted member of society is, mm-hmm. right? So when I meet you, in a lot of ways, I give you more grace than I gave my dad. Mm. I give you more grace than I gave my mom. In many ways, you give me more grace than they gave me, right? Right? Because the re- because the reality is, it's like, okay, we have to make this work. Being that we have to make this situation right here work, you're going to do what you need to do and I need to do what I need to do. Right. Now, we think in our society that we don't do that that much, but we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. We get on a bus, everybody sits in the seat that they're supposed to do. Right. Like you go to the bank, you speak to the woman in a certain way. She speaks back or he speaks back. Um, and all of these things that we do, we do them so that we just make it, can make it to the next thing. When your mom calls, <laughs> that's different. Yeah. Right? When, you're, well, like when, when your mom calls, okay, make complete space for mom right now. Mm. Mom has a million things that she wants to talk about. Mom, uh, you can't. I, I can't tell my mom sometimes. Yo, it's draining to hear about everybody who passed away. I can't. I can't. Like, I can't be like. It's like, you know, I didn't die. I'm like, well, I can't handle anymore. Right. I can't tell her that. It's my right. mother. Right. I, and, and and so our relationship isn't based upon any real give and take. It's based upon 
me understanding what she needs from me. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of the situation sometimes with not just our parents, but with other people in our lives. Like when you have a relationship that's based upon making sure that someone knows, making sure you know what someone needs you to be or needs mm-hmm. you to do, mm-hmm. it's hard to sometimes sure. be yourself or understand what they have to say. What do you feel like validation would have looked like for you from him? Everything that my dad was interested in, I became interested in it. Louis, I can shoot, I can hunt, mm-hmm. I can ride, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can pour concrete, I can do all of that. He never took the time like to- To ask was, questions or be curious or- It was just always something else I could be doing. Mm-hmm. Like it was just always something else I could be doing. Always something else I could be doing. Always like a incredible, incredibly strong man, a protector, mm-hmm. a responsible, loving father in his way. But I would have wanted just, hey, who is that character right there? Oh, that that's Magneto. What can you do? Tell me more about your interests. Yeah. 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 You know. Do you feel like you got to have any healing conversations with him before he passed, or one? Really? Yeah. What happened? So I hunted all the way up. I hunted pretty hard all the way up about uh, till about, I'd say, 17. After 17, I love to eat it all. Whatever you put in front of me, if it's, if it's rabbit, if it's deer. deer. Yeah. Man, look, there's something called deer sauce pecan. You take the back strap of the deer with the meat along the deer's spine, make a gravy, put it over some rice. Oh, mm. my God. Venison is the best thing mm. you can possibly eat. I love it. All of that stuff. Like, you know, some of my... Uh, relatives in Louisiana get a little crazy with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> some of them like to eat some wildcat. Oh, uh, no, no. Some of them like to eat a little coon. But if we're talking rabbit, if we're talking deer, Louis, even some squirrel. Mm, I'm, not, I'm not bad off some squirrel. You ain't mad at it. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at some squirrel. Y'all never had squirrel before. Squirrel is bomb. But um, one day we're rabbit hunting. And rabbit hunting is fun because when you see these things and they get like parallel to the, it's like he's going, he's going, and you barely have time to think about it. It's like, whoa, boom. And then that's that, right? It's not the way this rabbit came out. He came out, boom, boom, and he stopped. And the rabbit stopped, and I did, I went. Right in front of you, just waited. From a, literally, I'd say no more. I had a 20 gauge, so the range is not crazy. I'd say no more, maybe 10 feet. Mm. He's dead. Gone. He's dead. We are eating tonight. He is dead. The rabbit stops. And I'm like. And I looked at the rabbit. And I'm like, oh, living thing. You know? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Looking up at you. Yeah, yeah, like living thing. And I guess he went, all right, well, I'm not going to do anything. I got to get back to what I was doing. Hopped in the thicket, moving very slowly and deliberately. And goes back into the um, into the other side, right? It's clear. Father comes out. Dogs come out. My dogs run through. Dogs sniff where the rabbit was. The dogs are always going to tell on you. Always. <laughs> the dogs are snitches. They're going to tell on you. They're going to sniff right where the rabbit went. These are six beagles. This is what they're made for. They're going to sniff right where the rabbit went. Then they're going to hop into the other side of the thicket, right? So they do that. My dad comes out. He goes, he's like, Did you, you didn't see the rabbit. I was like, no. I was like, maybe my back was turned. He's like, why would your back be turned? Right. I told you where this rabbit was going to come out. If I told you to look this way, he was going to pop out right there. Why would you be looking the other way? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I, I heard, maybe I turned around. He's like, well, did you turn around? I was like, I turned around at some point. And he, and he, and he was like, so you didn't see that rabbit? I'm like, 
Now, he goes, huh. Dogs go back in. We move up, right? Didn't kill anything that day. I never told him that. Wow. Like, I never told him that. I never told him. I never told him that I actually saw the rabbit. So you held the lie until... For one day, a father passes July 4th, 2021. This must have been March. 2021. 2021. This must have been March. Mm. Shout out to Coley Williams, my therapist. Mm. Um, this must have been March. He calls me up randomly, going on and on and on about something. Nothing to do with anything. And I go, you know, I didn't shoot that rabbit. You just said that randomly. I, sw- I promise you. I, he, goes, he goes, what? This is 20 years, 23 years, 24 years later. Longer, maybe. Wow. Like, like I'm, I'm like, you know, I didn't shoot that rabbit. He goes, No what? context. No content. No context. He goes, what? I'm like, and I'll retell him the story. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I remember that. He's like, you wouldn't come hunting after that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I saw the rabbit that day, and I didn't show him. I didn't shoot him. He goes, I know. He's like, what do you think? And he starts laughing. He's like, I know you saw him. He's like, I know you saw him. I know he came right there. He's like, you think the dog's going to lie? They're like, we had this, this hunt dog. His name was Boy. He was the best hunt dog ever. He was an animal. He was obviously an animal. He's a dog. But he was like a just the most relentless hunter wow. you have ever seen. Like, he lived for it. Beautiful, beautiful beagle. Athletic, just loved to hunt. He's like, boy stopped and sniffed that patch right there for literally a minute and then got on in the thicket. I know you've seen him. It's, you had to have seen him. And he was like, why'd you lie? I was like, he froze me. Like, mm. I couldn't shoot. And my father goes, you think that's never happened to me before? Mm-hmm. He goes, the most beautiful deer I've ever seen in my life, I couldn't kill him. Wow. He was like, and he told me this whole story about how he was out past Big Papa's and he was coming back from a hunt. He had gotten off of his stand mm-hmm. and he was coming back from a hunt. He's coming back from a hunt. He's making his way to his three-wheeler and in a field open, he just sees a buck. And the buck turns and looks. And my dad, go, my dad goes, his neck and everything. And right there, I had him. But it seemed like I shouldn't shoot him because I was out of my stand. And I'm looking at him mm. wide open in the field. It looked like a deer picture, like a painting, he mm. said. And I didn't do it. I was So this is the thing sometimes. I was too ashamed to tell him that I couldn't do that. Because I thought he was a killer and I thought I was a coward. Wow. So after holding all of that, and my therapist had said, maybe you should talk to him about that. After holding all of that, I ended up telling him. That made me think, have I underestimated him? Like, this idea of him, have I conjured this? Mm -hmm. Like, what about this is real and what about this is me doing the same thing that I've always done, which is make up powerful characters. You know sure, what I mean? sure, sure. Sometimes for writing, other times in my real life. And we laughed about it. He said, number one, it's definitely happened to me. Wow. He and then he goes, he goes, number two, he's like, I'm your father. I know when you lying. I know everything. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, everything. he's like, he's like, I know when you I'm like, I know when you lying. I'm your daddy. Yeah. Wow. He was like, yeah, that's something else. And then the conversation changed. He's like, you know, they even got them woods no more. 
like building up everything. And then so he went off on a tangent, <laughs> like taking away all of our wounds. Right. We can't hunt no more. So, but as stupid as that sounds, that felt good, man. That was a healing moment. Yeah, that felt good. We didn't get many of them because um, most conversations seemed like they had to be on his terms. But that felt good. That mm. it that felt good. And at the same time, it was a little sad because I wonder if I was started missing hunts because of that moment. I did know at that particular time that as much as I loved to do that as a kid, that just wasn't a lifestyle for me. That wasn't like I wasn't that into that. To his dying day, deer antlers to rattle with, mm. camouflage stuff, Bowie knives, different scopes, three or four different um, uh, caliber uh, rifles. He had his bow. That was he what loved he it. Loved it. A bloodthirsty Louisiana. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And that just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. It was cool, but we was doing that on Saturday, bro, and it was college football on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we was like we was doing that on Sunday, and the Saints would be on. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? So like it, it was like like for me, it it wasn't it, it wasn't that type of deal. And mm-hmm. I think in a way, I felt ashamed about that, and I felt like that would other me to him. Mm, interesting. Do you feel like you got to share everything with him you wanted to, or heal everything else, or not really? I no. mean, aspects of him and my mother's relationship just were off limits to talk about. Really, with him. Yeah. Were they married until his passing? They divorced in, I think, around 2003. Yeah. So aspects of, of, of him and my mother's relationship, things that might help me, you know, were off limits to discuss. Really? Um, there were some revelations about other stuff mm-hmm. that came out after he died. Right, right. Um, and so obviously, you know, there were things like that that he would never discuss with me. Mm-hmm. He would never discuss any other family members I might have or mm-hmm. uh, anything like that sure. until after he was gone. So it felt also kind of interesting that some of those secrets he took to his grave wow. rather than let me in on them. Um, but all of this stuff, to be honest with you, it's cathartic talking about it just because there's nothing that can change the love that I have for this mm-hmm. man. This yeah. man was like a the other kid's dad's Looked up to him. Yeah. You know? Oh, interesting. Like just imagine you're there. Imagine you're there with your your friend's father and your friend are dropping you off from basketball practice. They're dropping you off from basketball practice. And all of a sudden, your dad walks by with a deer on his back. <laughs> That's pretty epic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, like dang. Hey, That's how y'all doing? Yeah, okay, cool. Boy, uh, come back here. <laughs> We're about to get him right. Like, okay, I'll be there in a second. <laughs> skin them, yeah. You just skin them the, like, the whole nine. And then mom's gonna take them apart and cook them. Like, Jesus. And then, like, you, then your father, then your friend's father stands there and watches you and your dad prepare the deer in, in awe. awe. Yeah. And that was who he was, like that. And so, uh-huh. um, it, but there were just other parts of it that, you know, you feel like you didn't really have access to. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Some una- uh, unavailable yeah. emotional parts. Mm-hmm. You talk about in your book, Fat, Crazy, and Tired, uh, tales from the trenches of transformation about kind of anxiety, shame, and insecurities, things like that. Where do you think was the the root of the insecurities and shame and guilt that you had that might have been part of the cause that led to, you know, the overeating, the obesity, all these different things that you you piled on? Yeah. Um, Like, 
food is food is a very devious ally. Mm-hmm. Food can is save a, your life or it can kill your life. Yep. Food is a cagey ally. Food never tells you no, but what you don't realize until you get older and in, is in your life, you have to be told no. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell yourself no. Like right now, if I want to leave here and go to Jack in the Box, mm. Jack in the Box is ready to have me. Jack mm. open arms. Tasty. Tasty, right? Mm. So sometimes in spots in your life where you don't feel accepted by anyone else, you know that there's one thing there that'll always make you feel good. Food. Food. I would go to Bennigan's, right? You know Bennigan's at all? You ever heard of it? Is this it? the Southern restaurant? Irish pub. Irish pub. It's like Irish type of restaurant. No oh. one remembers Bennigan's now. Oh. I hope Mr. Bennigan and his family are doing oh. okay. Uh, so it was like an Irish type of pub, right? So I worked at Best Buy, store 495, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Shout out to Best Buy, store 495. My formative college years. So after I would leave, Best Buy. I would always go to Bennigan's. Always. And I would get, Bennigan's had these gigantic chicken tenders. You know how you mm. get chicken tenders sometimes? It's like eight tenders. But you know how sometimes you go to a restaurant and it's like four because they're huge. Massive. Yeah. Massive. So I would get the chicken tenders, big chicken tenders, and I would get loaded mashed potatoes and fries. Ooh. Going nuts. Sounds Ooh. good, man. It's a lot of fun. Mm. And I had this trick that I would do. I would also want a dessert. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to make the people at the Bennigan's feel like I was piling on too much. So this is what I would do. I would call, make a fake call, pick up the phone and be like, Yo, Lewis, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm just at Bennigan's. You want something? Uh-huh. Oh, you say you want the double chocolate fudge <laughs> brownie a la mode. Okay, cool. Y'all got the double chocolate fudge brownie? Okay. Yeah. All right, you, uh, what else you want? Want anything else? A shake. Oh. Okay, cool. All right, dope. Bet. Cool. Uh, can you add a, 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 a chocolate fudge brownie mm-hmm. and a thing there? And I would get that. I would get that whole thing home. And wow, there was a moment right before, because the more you eat it, the more you eat of it, the worse you feel. Right, right. <laughs> so there's like a, so there's like a moment right before where you're looking at all of this and you go, man, this is about to be good. Mm-hmm. And then you take a couple of bites and you're like, oh. And then you get to the point, there's a point in a meal that big where you go, I'm sick. I'm sick. Yeah. Or and then you go, should I finish this? And like, I should oh, probably not finish uh, this. But you can't stop, like, like you have to finish it, right? So I would do this all the time. One time I'm leaving the Best Buy and I look over at the parking lot and there's only one car in the biggest parking lot. It's obvious that Benigan's is closed. Like, obvious. I was working a holiday shift, mm. and it was so hectic inside of Best Buy that I had forgotten. Maybe they can <laughs> open up that. Maybe they can make a shake for me, make some maybe, fries. Hey, maybe there's somebody in there that can still cut the grill on, and I can get some chicken tenders. Throw some fries and chicken tenders. We can do something. Yeah. So I literally go, I drive over there in my car, one parking lot in the thing, and I'm literally looking through, <laughs> like, hey, is anyone in there? i never forget this. Never. I go back. I get in the car, and I cried. Like, I was in a relationship with food. I didn't have a relationship with food. I was in a relationship with food. Mm -hmm. This was a time when I felt my most undesirable. How big were you then? Probably around 370 pounds. Dang, how old were you? Uh, I'd say 24. Dang. Um, So... 
how I felt at my undesirable, my undesirable. I was just out of college. I didn't know what I was doing. I was literally at at uh, the crib. My mom had moved out of the house. The minute my mom moved out of the house, the house started falling apart. Mm. Because having, I don't mean to be, I know people get mad at me about being heteronormative or anything like that. I'm just telling you how I grew up. There are things in that home that only she could see. Mm. That only a lady who was taking care of her home could see. When my mother left that home, there were two men in there. Two men in there who didn't need to see when certain things needed to be fixed or taken care of. Two men in there who didn't see when something was kind of going wrong. When the, when the washing machine was making a certain right. noise. When somebody needed to go out there and power wash. Even mm. if these weren't things that she was doing, these were things that where she would look at it and just the spirit and the beauty of a home yeah. Waking up, going to work, going to sleep, like running ladies, running ladies throughout there, just like just it was falling apart without her, right? It literally was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like all of that stuff in my life was just coming to a head. I being there, the days I didn't work, I would stay in there and play Madden all day long with my cousin, drink Minute Maid, whatever, the whole nine. And like that's that's all we're doing, and go, and go back and forth to work. It's just nothing else going on yeah. in my life. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I didn't know uh, exactly where I was going to go. And food was always there for me. Food was always there for me, always there for me. And when I wasn't, I felt rejected by it, even though mm. it was just that the store was closed. Right. And Ooh, wow. actually in that moment, like something weird about me is I remember all of these seminal moments in my life that kind of, in that moment, because I always laugh at this stuff, I go, Bro, you got a problem, bro. Wow. <laughs> like, I'm like, I look and I'm like, I'm laughing. I'm like, yo, this is this is nuts. Now, I still went right to McDonald's and got a family <laughs> power meal. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it it uh, it just became a relationship that wasn't based on nutrition, it wasn't based mm-hmm. on health, it was just me soothing myself. Yes. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. When was the moment where you realized this has got to stop or I need to figure out how to self-soothe in a healthier manner, whether that's addressing the problem and learning how to heal the wounds, whether that's just, or did you not do that? You just masked it and said, I got to go cold turkey and try to you know, muscle my way to eat less and be fit? What was the thing that got you to start shifting? So a lot of people are going to watch this and they're going to say, hey, this guy's still fat. Now let me talk to these people real quick. Okay. I gained some weight after the pandemic. I've been, I've lost this weight for years and years and years. Now I'll go back to what I'm saying. Um, uh, I'll get back, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be right back shortly, guys. My body will be back. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm not nearly as big as I was. I'm literally a hundred pounds uh, less than I was in my head. Mm-hmm. But, um, so... I moved out to Los Angeles. And How old? 27. Okay. So, um, 370 still. 350. Okay. 350. Cut back on the. I, 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 was, I worked out a little bit. I had actually lost like 30 pounds, but then I gained some back yeah. like when you first come to LA. You know? So, I was around 350, and I ordered some pants from the Gap because I couldn't buy pants in the Gap store. I had to order them online. Yeah. What um, size was that? 48. Nah, 52 maybe? 52. 50, 52, something like that. Okay. So I ordered some pants, maybe over 48, 
They were it was four, it was between forty eight and fifty. I, I know I got up to fifty two, but mm-hmm. I, I might not have been a fifty two at that point. So I um I ordered some pants from the Gap. Get the pants. One of our producers, I was working at this place called Capricorn Programs, out in, Bur- out in Burbank. One of the producers thought that that was coming for him. Opened it. Mm. And pulled out the pants. I remember I come out of my office and I see somebody looking through at uh, uh like looking at the looking at the thing, and then I see somebody do like this. And I'm like, oh shit. But that's me. Like throughout my life, God has put dropped these little angels in my life. Cause there's always somebody there for me when I need it. It just I remember I walked, I lived at that point, like I lived basically Pico and Fairfax uh-huh. is basically where I lived. So I look online, what's the nearest LA Fitness? The nearest LA Fitness was La Cienega and like whatever, that one right there on La Cienega with sure. the low roof and play basketball yeah. in it. I walked around there. Walk was tough. I walked, I, walked, I, walked, I walked around there. And I remember I got there, and this is in the book. I got there and I cannot remember the name of the guy who was working in the front. Uh, young brother. And I'm talking to him. I remember he, and I didn't have much money at the time. I wasn't making good money. Mm-hmm. So the, this gym membership was, it wasn't something that like I could really afford like that. You know, I was making maybe maybe $400 a week. Mm-hmm. And you know, 35, $30 for a gym membership, that's not nothing to me. Like right, that was a lot of money. That was money to me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so nuts that I was 27 making $450 a week. Nuts. Uh, but I remember he helped me. He... Rather than have my, because I didn't, I didn't qualify for a California discount because I had a two two five number, which I still do. And he said, "Okay, this is what I'll do. I'll put your number down as three two three, and the rest of these numbers, so that you can apply for this discount." He's, and he looked at me. He goes, "Because I can see you tired of this." Ooh, wow. Yep. Wow. He goes, "I can see you tired of this." Oh, wow. And, and that was nice of him. Yeah. So he did that, and I would see him from time to time. He ended up getting transferred to another gym. So I would come in there, and at first, all I could do, all I could do, at 27 it's, years it's old, walk. It's just walk. <laughs> walk on the treadmill, and I started getting to the point to where I could ride the bike for 15 minutes and hit the heavy bath for 15 wow. minutes. Ride the bike for 15 minutes, hit the heavy bath for 15 minutes. And I would just do that every day, just 30 minutes. was talking on the phone to my boy, my homeboy Ryan Davenport from Baton Rouge. And like, um, talk for 15 minutes, put the heavy bath. And then after a while, it just started coming off. Wow. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like was the? So you've been cons- you were pretty consistent for a long time with that. Then I, it was I was Gucci until the pandemic. The pandemic was hard, but we're yeah. working our way back. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. Because when I saw you, you were, you were lean. Yeah. 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 I think pandemic got me for, <laughs> for fifteen twenty. Also, I feel yeah, like I'm back in college again. That freshman fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll, work, we'll, we'll be we'll be fine. We'll yeah, work exactly, our way back. Exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like you were ever uh, battling? Was it a full on addiction? Do you feel like? Yeah. For me, it was. What was the root cause of the addiction? Um, Not feeling enough, shame, relationships with family. What was the... Probably loneliness. Loneliness. The, the, the root cause of it was probably loneliness. It was probably uh, being in a room with all of your friends and all of these people who couldn't love you anymore, who love the very thought of you, but still feeling like you were the only person in the room. How does it get to a place like that? Uh, 
it gets to a place like that when you've been called weird long enough. Weird yeah. by who? By just people, even as even though they didn't mean it in a bad uh-huh. way. Look, I wasn't an outcast. I was a good athlete. Mm-hmm. I was a good student. I wasn't an outcast. I just always felt like it was it was a weird thing. Like I was uh, I was educated. I was in a gifted program, so all of my classmates were white, right? Mm. But I lived in a neighborhood, so sometimes the diffusion wouldn't work. Right, right, right. Sometimes it would be like I would come back, and it would be like, "Yo, we all li- playing the video game, and we listening to AZ, we listening to Nas, we listening to P, we listening to Silk, we listening to Cash Money." And I say, "Okay, let's listen to Soundgarden." <laughs> right, right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Oasis, and, you know, like, love Oasis. You know what I'm saying? And and, and it wasn't. And a lot of my friends were very eclectic in their tastes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But some of my homies are not trying to hear them white boys from Seattle. Right, right. Like, what's wrong with you, bro? We listen to that BG. I'm like, all right, whoa. This is Justin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I love all of it. I love everything. Very connected to my culture, right? So you want to watch a movie. Like, I tried to get some of my friends to come with me to see again to see Pulp Fiction. Nobody was trying to see Pulp Fiction. Mr. Gabawi's passed away now. One of my AP World History teachers would do movies during lunchtime, right? And they let he let us choose the movies. And mm. I chose Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh-huh. I was like, "Yo, y'all come watch this movie. It's really funny. I promise you, it's really funny." And then and you do that a long enough time, you feel like you're the outcast. You're you start like doing it by yourself. Yeah. Now I'm not even gonna ask you uh-huh. if you want to come with me. I'm not gonna ask you. You know what I mean? Like, even with my girlfriend. Like, my girlfriend at that time, like if I fell in love, I experienced sexualities. We can do whatever we're doing or whoever, but this right here, I'll do it for myself. And yeah, the, yeah. the list of things that I needed to do alone just started growing. Mm-hmm. So it becomes that you have all of these things that you only want to do by yourself and a couple of things that you like actually want to do right, with other people. Right, right. You know what I mean? So you said when you started, you're a seven out of 10, mm-hmm. right? In the scale of self-love, peace, and freedom, where were you the day, the morning before the Kanye thing? Oh man, like at that point, I think I was probably like a nine. Gosh, man, I have asked this question so many times to people. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. This theme now, I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe not that many times, maybe five times. Right. Where I asked this to Manuel Acho, I asked mm-hmm. this to my friend who came on right before his Stephen who has gone through this incredible growth spurt on social media and everything in the press over the last like six months. And I asked the same question. And every person, before they hit a big spurt of success, mm-hmm. was it more self-love <laughs> before the weight of gold, right. the weight of success, the, the, the acknowledgements, all those things. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you read a nine then and a seven now? The more people that know who you are, the more people have an opinion on who you are. Uh-huh. And the more people have an opinion, the more people tell you what not to love about yourself. Ooh, snap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dang. So it, it's like, it, it's like, the, like the, the more opinions, the more people tell you, this is what you need to change and this is what you need to do better at. And it's not that that's bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's that you have to know how to accept that energy. Like, you have to know how to accept what's constructive and destroy what's mm-hmm. corrosive. And or just let it go. Or yeah, just right. let it go, right? Actually, letting it go is better uh-huh. because even if you destroy it, you're spending too much energy on it. 
So letting it go is much, much better. So what if three or go ahead and finish your thought? So no, I'm just saying. So like I thought I was okay, And so I was loving myself. And it was only until more people knew who I was that I realized Mm. maybe I'm not okay. And I'm like, maybe there are things I need to change. And you start to be obsessed with uh, the perfect version of you or the version of you that you feel like people need to consume. Interesting. What are three tools you wish you knew before that moment when more people started to know who you were? Mm. That over the last four years, you wish you had these skills or tools to prepare you for greater success, greater acknowledgement, Oscar awards, you know, bigger celebrities working with you and all these opportunities. What are those things? Uh, Maybe it's an internal tool or, you know. We're about to get a little, so. Bring it. Therapy, yep. breath work, and the mute button. <laughs> yep. So I can tell you one thing that would have changed my life had I knew how to do this earlier. During the pandemic, I was trying to reconnect with my breath. This is so LA. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry to all the people at home. I've mm-hmm. changed. Um, I was trying to reconnect with my breath, right? Uh, what had happened to your breath? Um, so I went through a very, very, uh, debilitating stretch of anxiety and when during the pandemic, during the pandemic, was it because of the pandemic? Was it because of work? Was it because of movements happening in the world? Was it because of societal changes? It's because my anxiety has programmed me since I was a kid. I could talk more about my dad here too. And like how, how my father didn't realize what kind of kid I was sometimes. He didn't realize how precocious I was. One day we were watching Silverado, great movie, Lawrence Kasdan, Kevin Costner, Danny Glover. And my father looks at the movie, he goes, one day the world's gonna be just like that again. I'm like, huh. what do you mean, why? He goes, oh, like his eyes lit up. He's imparting new information onto me. He goes, oh, cause Reagan gonna drop that bomb. I was like, what bomb? My father goes, well, they're bombs that if the Soviet Union shoots their bombs, and if we shoot our bombs, it's a chain reaction, destroy the whole world. We'll be riding around on horseback again. Jeez. Then, he, then he kind of just goes, and goes back to watching the movie. I'm <laughs> like, am I gonna die? Yeah. <laughs> I started like, I remember I won a drawing contest because I drew a Soviet soldier oh, and a United God. States soldier like hugging. I was like freaked out. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know they, they put up in the class and my teacher's like, yo Van, like why are you, you know, so. So from that moment on, it's like that's kicked off my anxiety, and I was always waiting, kind of for the end of the world. Mm. It was like I've been, I've, I've gotten to the ozone layer, I gotten to North Korea, I got into all of these different things, and it's happening now. It's happening. It's happening. I tried my best. By the way, I wow. tried my best not yeah. to get caught up in it. But there was one particular time. Shout out Jamel Hill, that me and Jamel went to. Uh, so, March sixth. 2020, uh-huh. the week before everything went down, right? Before the NBA shut down, Tom Hanks got COVID. It was literally like, because March 16th is my birthday, and it was literally that day was a Monday when no one went to work. Right. And then I was like, well, oh, this is interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. went, March 6th, we went to dinner with this guy. I don't remember, not, not dinner, we went to lunch with this guy at King's Road Cafe. Great producer, very nice guy. And he looked a little sick. And I remember I looked at him, I was like, hey, because it wasn't to the point, like we knew but we weren't freaking out yet. People were still talking about putting me on panels and stuff like that. I had, uh-huh. it was enough that I had 
uh, hand sanitizer on my keychain. Interesting. But not enough. Masks. Not no mask. Nothing. We sat outside. We ate. He goes, "Oh, there's nothing." Like he's like, "This is not a big deal. It's nothing." We went to a wedding in Mexico and people got sick. It's not that big of a deal. It's like he didn't think that he had COVID, and then he said that. Uh, he said that even if he did have COVID, COVID's not a big deal. But mm-hmm. he didn't have, he said, I don't have COVID, I have a cold, right? He was fine, older guy, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So you have that, everything shuts down, right? The next week, whatever, a couple weeks. Two Fridays later, it's like, oh, Jamel, I, his, I had COVID. I, got, I had COVID. Ooh. So now I've sat next to this guy mm-hmm. who has COVID. We don't know anything about COVID. Like, I'm like, yo, I die. Am I, yeah. that is, we're done. It's, it's, that's a call, cancel Christmas. It's a wrap. I definitely have it. And also I was taking zinc pills on an empty stomach at this point. I was doing everything to try to boost my immune system. <laughs> so the zinc was upsetting my stomach. Oh, man. So I'm thinking to myself, upset stomach, sign of COVID. Guy had COVID. I have COVID. And it sent my anxiety into a tizzy. And so after a while of dealing with this, of having all kinds of issues, this is months and months and months. I started researching breath work. Oh. I started researching HRV breathing and um, just laying down on your back, putting on an audio cue and just taking six breaths a minute. Yeah. Slow, deep, deliberate Slow, breaths. Yeah. deep, deliberate breaths. Mm. I utilize it in every <clears throat> aspect good. of it's, my life. It's such a powerful tool that is free and available at all times. To everyone, anytime you need And it can change the state of your body, your mindset, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, and like people, like they make fun of me at the boxing gym, like we'll be sparring, and everybody in the middle of the sparring is like, everybody in between rounds is like, looking at their coach and I'm like. Yeah. Ding, 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 let's go. Yeah. And like snap back into it, like just in and out. Had I, that right there is something, that after you do it, right? And I can do it for long spells now. Like, it started off, I I did it for five minutes. I did it for 10 minutes. Now, sometimes, I'll sit down and for 45 minutes, I'll just just zone. That's powerful. Just zone. I'll be in a hammock, or I'll lay down flat on my back and just zone. Sometimes, these videos are on YouTube, sometimes I have to reach over and tap them and start them over. You know what I mean? And it just brings you, for whatever reason, you start to feel in your skin again. Mm-hmm. You start to feel like, oh, that's my hand. Oh, like I like, oh, like like I'm okay. Like you don't feel out of your body, and that would have helped me a lot. So uh, that's one. And also, I don't like blocking people, but I love muting them. Mm. I don't like blocking people. I don't like knowing that I've put a wall mm-hmm. in between someone because I can't handle what's going on. That feels like defeat sometimes. Mm-hmm. But muting things Interesting. is important because not everything needs to be in your brain. Sure. So sometimes you have somebody that you love, but you need to love them from a distance. Mm-hmm. That is the mute button to me. Yeah. So on social media, if you if like if you're getting a little too critical of me, if you're getting a little too frisky, I'm gonna need to hear this all day. If every time I do something. You pop on, because it starts off cool. Hey, man, I love you so much, man. Do this. Okay, cool. Hey, man, blah, blah, blah. after a while, I'm going to mute you. I'm not going to block you. I'm going to mute you, because I don't need to hear your opinion on my life every single day. Right. <laughs> I just don't need that. You know, there are people in my life who I entrust, who I've given them permission to For give feedback them and yeah. opinions on my life. And like random people on social media, and some people that I even work with are not those people. So there you have it. Yeah. 
Those are three powerful things. Right. Therapy, breath work, and mute button. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from therapy? You have to control whatever it it is for you. Stress, anxiety, it's fear. It's not going away. Self-doubt. No. It might not get worse, but it's not going to get better unless you deal with it. Mm, right. It's not, it's not going away. It's not. Sometimes you, you can be in different places. Like Nobody feels, you might not feel stressed when you're in Turks. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you, like, you might be there you're, you know, drinking a rum punch and you think, oh, two weeks, I'm feeling good. Well, you're going to get back to a place where the environmental triggers are going to be back there and some of the personal triggers in your life are going to be back there. And sometimes I, I would wonder whether or not I really wanted to address these problems or whether or not I was more mm. comfortable having them. Mm. And therapy helps you, or it's helped me, um, it's helped me learn that there is a prescription in a way to get around some of these things. Might not, you might not never cure them. Mm-hmm. It's like my homie told me, one of my trainers, I told him one time, I was like, back in the day when I was dunking all the time, dunking all over people. And he goes, uh, but I could never jump off two feet. I can't jump off two feet either. <laughs> I'm a one-footed dunker, man. I'm a one-footed, I'm a one-footed. <laughs> <laughs> I can, maybe, I like, maybe five times I dunked off two feet. I've never once in life done it. Dude, it was so hard. I, I like it. And some guys can't jump off one foot. I know. And it's so weird. People ask me, like, you know, because if you're trying to get to the rim super quick, one foot is better. But if you're trying to do something crazy in the air or take a hit and finish, you need to jump off two feet. I can never jump off two feet. It's just not a thing, right? Um, And so I remember I was talking to a friend of mine. I go, yo, can you teach me how to uh, be an explosive two-footed jumper? And he goes, I can't promise that. He says, you know what I can do, though? I can make you a better two-footed jumper. Mm. And I'm like, huh. That's life. But you may never be able to explode out of the gym. You, yeah. ne- you like, it may never get to the point to where you're boom off of that doing whatever you want. That might not be for you, no. right? But you can get better at what it is that you're doing. Uh-huh. You can get better. I might not ever be at the point to where I'm never feeling anxious in the world and never feeling anxious in my life. But I can be better. Mm-hmm. I can be better. And like therapy, even though I, he taught me about the two-footed jumper thing, that was years before, right? I actually looked at that, I was like, huh, all right, I'm with that. When, when I talk to her, I'm thinking, life is about learning to jump off two feet. It's not about putting some sort of uh, artificial goal in your head. I mean, you should have goals, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes you need a finite goal. Sometimes your goal should just be to do be better. Mm-hmm. Be better at what you're doing. What would you say is the biggest challenge, obstacle, or problem that you want, that you know you need to face and find a better solution for in your life right now? Resentment. Towards who? I feel like as a black man in America, if I didn't have some issues, I wouldn't be paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Having said that, I need to always let those things inspire me to make change and actually do something. When I say actually do something, I mean... Awareness is great. Using my voice is great. Talking to talking about talking to people who have solutions are great. But I'm gonna feel better served and I'll be a better servant if I'm 
actually initiating things and following people, not necessarily always leading, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not leading a majority of the time, following people who are on the ground with answers that are doing things. Right. I told you I met a guy in Chicago named Pastor Corey Brooks. I met a, a lady in Chicago named Inglewood Barbie. I met a guy in Chicago named Chicago King Dave. When I was out of Chicago, we were in some of the worst areas of the city. You would People would call them the worst areas in the city. I call them areas where people are looking for solutions. And in all and talking to all of these people, what I've learned is that anywhere there's a problem, there's somebody looking for a solution. And being that they're looking for a solution, you can be a part of that. And the mm -hmm. reality is being mad about it is only useful. Being mad about it is only useful if it inspires you to do something. To take action, yeah. It like other mm -hmm. than that. The anger will be corrosive. It'll stop you from experiencing things. It'll stop you from expressing things. What has resentment, holding on to resentment in all these areas of your life, done for you? Well, or, has it, or how has it hurt you? Well, one way that it's hurt me is it's probably cut off some relationships. Really? You know what I mean? And it's, it's probably made me... The socioeconomic resentment hasn't really hurt me at all, but I think resentment for other things has hurt me. Like some of the resentment I felt towards my parents, some mm -hmm. of the resentment I felt towards friends of mine, some of the resentment I felt towards other people I was competing with. I think it caught me, it, it stopped me from viewing these people as human beings and looking at them as obstacles. Mm -hmm. Because once you, once resentment is inside of you, it just, it chokes inspiration. Right. It just, it, it like, it chokes it. Resentment just chokes in. So this is still a big part of your life right now? Resentment? Not as much. What would it take for you to let go of it? Totally? I don't know, Louis. And what do you think is available on the other side when you let go of that? As long as there are black women in this country who don't have access to adequate health care and who have uh, a significantly higher chance of dying during childbirth, as long as there are black children who mm -hmm. don't have what they need, I'm going to have some resentment. I think getting over the resentment is not as important as channeling it, mm. like recycling it, like not letting it fester. Inside of you. Inside of you. What happens when you fester the resentment? Uh, it, when you fester the resentment, it turns, it infects you, mm. right? So like it, something inspiring you is one thing, something infecting you is a different thing. Like when you're infected with resentment, when you're infected with anger, when you're infected with these things, they actually shut off avenues to solutions to me. They, should, they block them. They block them. Like you can't think past what it is that's going on. And you need to be able to think. Mm -hmm. You need to be mentally limber. You need to be spiritually limber. You need to be nimble in these ways to right. solve problems. You need to be open. You need to be able to look into the world with open hearts and open to, in order to have a conversation with someone that you disagree with. You need to be men mentally open. You need to be mentally limber. You need to be spiritually open. You need to be spiritually limber. You need to have that look in your eye that sometimes like, and I'm, so I'm from the South. So there are, there's Christianity as is portrayed uh, in, by people that would like hijack a plane at 30,000 feet and play their mm -hmm. songs without asking anyone. And then there's like real Christians like someone who really loves God. And that's, this is not just Christians. This is any single mantra or religion or whatever. Like, I know this rabbi, um, um, Rabbi Ari Lam, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Him, 
some of my Muslim brothers, some of the, like the, the Hindu people I know, the people that are really believers, there's a certain certainty mm-hmm. and a grace that they move with. Like you can talk to them about anything and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, I, 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 I disagree with you. Let me tell you what this teaches you. Let me tell you what this teaches you. Let me tell you what this teaches you. But there's an anointing, there's a circle around them. And this, even if you don't have like a religious belief, if you are really devoted to like, there can, humanity itself, doing good for humanity can be a religion if you ask me. Mm-hmm. It can be a spiritual, a spiritual calling devoid of a higher power if you don't believe in that, mm-hmm. right? And when people are truly anointed to do that, they sit and they listen and they absorb what you're giving them and they turn it around and give you back an energy with things that you never even thought of before or with disagreements that you can use to make your foundation stronger. Disagreements are incredibly valuable, but when you have resentment in your heart, disagreements are not disagreements, they're declaration of war. Mm. And if if every single disagreement is a declaration of war, You'll never stop battling. So in order to remove the resentment and really find what what what, what society is based around, uh, it, it was just compromise. Mm-hmm. Compromise. You don't win. I don't win. We win. Mm-hmm. Not my world. Not your world. Right. Our world. Right. And it's just hard to do with resentment. That's why we mm. have to push ourselves a little bit to be a little bolder. All right. But we have to be accepting of one another. Mm-hmm. And when I say accepting, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we have to talk to each other. I might have got that backwards. You have to, we, you have to, we have to talk to each other and say things to each other that aren't easy to hear. Sure. And if I, it's much easier to do that if I can temper my resentment towards you. Right. But you said that you might always hold on to some resentment, right? It's always gonna be a little bit. I'm a human being. Sure. Sure. I'm a guy. I'm a dude. <laughs> I hear you, man. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm man. a dude. But the but the, the I'd love for you to ch- I would love to challenge you. Okay. In a loving way to challenge you. Got you. To reframe the word then. Okay, give it to me. Maybe it's not resentment. Maybe it's frustration. It's upset. It's sadness. It's there's a wrong that you want to see right. Or mm-hmm. there's a, a struggle that you want to see uh, peaceful right. in the world or within a relationship or whatever it might be. And have the feeling of anger, frustration, whatever, sadness, hurt, all these different things. Feel the feeling, but don't hold on to it. Mm. Consistently. All right. This is something I'm learning still. Word up. Because if I'm holding on to it, it's hard for me to see the person from a beautiful place, right. even if they're doing the most messed up stuff. Not saying I need to agree with them, but to be able to find a solution with that cause or thing or person. Right. It's not easy. It's a constant thing I'm working on. But as opposed to holding resentment, I'm coming from a defensive attack mode mm-hmm. when I'm resentful, personally. So something to look at. I will. I'll something, try. Something to consider. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Try it on, as the therapist would say. Mm-hmm. I love this, man. I'm excited for your journey, and I think it's interesting to see that you were a 9 out of 10, now you're a 7 out of 10. Right. What do you think it would take for you to get back to the 9? Oh, I think it's coming. I think if you'd have asked me this question last year, it was a 6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe even, a, and there were points in, in 2020 where it was probably a 5. Oh, yeah. Like low, so dark. I think I think I'm I'm trending up where things are things are coming together. I just gotta stay the course and continue to grow. Right. What is the thing that you wish you would have been able to say to your dad that you maybe didn't get to tell him? I appreciate what you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. 
I appreciated it. In his way and his yeah. your way. You all right, man. Like we we cool. Wow. Like I like you did the best you could. Right. With the tools you had and yeah. With how you were raised, with 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 your measure of it, you did the absolute best you could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I got my hugs from mom, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got the affection you need to kiss the hugs. Your uh, book, uh, Fat, Crazy, and Tired, Tales from the Trenches of Transformation. It's out now. People can go get it over on Amazon or bookstores. Uh, they can follow you on social media, Van Lathan, on Twitter, Instagram, and all the different places. Uh, you've got your podcast. Yes. Higher Learning Podcast right. on the Ringer Network. Um where you're doing that how often every week? Or how much a week? Two times a week. Two times a week. Yeah, Higher Learning Podcast. They can find that if they go to your Instagram, follow mm-hmm. you there. You always got great clips on there. I love seeing your stuff, man. It's always mm-hmm. very entertaining and inspiring. Um, how else can we be of service and support to you right now? Oh, man, nothing. That was, that was amazing. Um, I would like to thank Kalika, my girl who put all of this together, who like who like helped me. She was in contact with you guys, playing uh-huh. a little assistant role. She's a big fan of yours. Um, but... Yeah, no, I think I've listened. I've appreciated your friendship. You know, I've appreciated being able to bounce things off of you. Yeah, I've appreciated you like challenging me sometimes because Lewis's answer for everything is just do it yourself. Like, <laughs> well, like Lewis, yeah, Lewis's, yeah. Oh, no, Lewis's answer to everything is I remember. I remember like when we were first talking about I was talking about leaving TMZ and talking about and getting, getting a podcast deal. And he was like, just, just do, do your own deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just do it yourself. Just do it yourself. Why do you need a network or this? Why do you need a network? Why do you need that? Just and and to be honest with you, that is in the back of my mind every single time. Mm. The point, and I'm not gonna rush it, but the point to where the answer is, just do it yourself. Mm. And I'm doing it, and I'm and all of this is a big time inspiration to me. So I appreciate you. That's cool, man. I'm excited for that, man. Um This is a question I ask everyone towards the end called the three truths. So, So imagine a hypothetical scenario. Last day on earth, many years away. You live as long as you want to live. Mm-hmm. But eventually you got to turn the lights off and this time on your earth is, is gone. Right. And you accomplish all your dreams. You're making movies, you're doing books, you're doing content. Whatever it is you want to create, you do it. Mm-hmm. Have family, what, anything, you make it come true. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, you've got to take all of your content with you to the next place. So no one has access to this book, the podcast, anything you've ever said, it's gone. Mm-hmm. But you get to write down three lessons wow. that you can share with the world. Three truths. And this is all we would have to remember your legacy by, essentially, these three messages. What would you say are those three truths for you? You're bigger than fear. Mm. Two is, it's not that big of a deal. And the third one is this. This is the most important one. Every single problem has a solution. Mm -hmm. Nothing on this planet is bigger than our collective understanding and our drive and will to be better, more healthy, and well-adjusted people. Mm. All of these problems that everyone keeps shoving down your throat every single day, all of these things that are wrong with the world, all of these things that are wrong with human society, we can figure them out. We can figure them out mm. if we get on the right, right, right wavelength. Yeah. So concentrate on the solutions. Concentrate on getting better. 
you can fix it. Like, you can. Like, I swear to God, man, it's frustrating sometimes. You can fix it. Yeah. You can be a part of it. So I just don't, I want everybody to feel super empowered mm -hmm. to go out and make the world as they need it to be. That's beautiful, man. I want to acknowledge you, Van, before I ask you the final question for your constant journey of growth. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's challenging to go from one position and pretty much overnight get a lot of opportunities and, and have this awareness about you and take on the weight of these challenges and take on the weight of the responsibilities that come with it and do it in the face of having an addiction that you've overcome and facing all these different challenges that way as well. I think it's really hard to overcome an addiction. I think it's one of the hardest things people have to, to learn how to do, mm. especially a weight addiction or a food addiction that causes right. a weight and then it creates guilt and shame and all the, the stuff that happens there. So I acknowledge you, man, for being on the journey, the imperfect journey. Mm. And um, grateful for you for using your voice to share a message for people, to let people know they don't have to be perfect, but they can be on the journey as well, just like you. Mm -hmm. And um, for constantly developing your own masterpiece. I appreciate it's that. It's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful, that, beautiful journey. Final question, what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is peace. So I'll tell you what I mean. So you have all of these things you want to do. I, I think about your story, right? So you have all this stuff that you want to do. You came from, you know, living on your sister's couch uh -huh. and all of that stuff like that. The world isn't designed a lot of times for us to find peace. There's always something in order for you to go out and 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 uh and be a cog in the consumer wheel, or if you, you have to feel danger and pressure and all of these things. You have to find, you have to feel that way, right? You have to feel all of those things. Mm -hmm. You have to feel all of those things. You have to feel like, okay, I gotta do this or the light's gonna get cut out. I gotta do this or this is gonna happen. I gotta do this or this person's not gonna wanna have sex with me. I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Greatness to me is when you're at a peaceful place in your life and you can seriously look back and look and you have all the latitude to figure out how you want things to be. Mm -hmm. And you have to build towards that. Mm -hmm. And you have to get there. To me, Michael Jordan was the best on the court, the greatest on the court, because he was the most peaceful. He wasn't rattled. Like, you couldn't rattle him. Right. You couldn't get him out of himself. Like, he was intense, but he knew the shot was going. Mm -hmm. He knew that he would succeed. He knew that. He was the most, he had the least amount of chaos mm -hmm. in his body. When you see a situation to where, like, uh, you see Dr. King, and he's talking to someone. You might see people yelling at him. You might see people throwing rocks at him. You might see people, watch how he comports himself. He comports himself in a way because he is mm. absolutely at peace with who he is. Even at peace with the fact that who he had to be was going to mean that his life was going to be mm. cut short. Yeah. Peace gave him the opportunity to be completely dead set on what he was doing. And in the face of any adversity, never lose himself. So every single great person that I know makes you feel like things are gonna be okay. Makes right. you feel like like you're at peace and confident with them when you're around them, right? Yeah. And so that's what I look at it like. And that's kind of what this place has, man. It's a very peaceful mm. place. I walk in here, I walk in here, 10 minutes I'm in here, somebody showed me a picture of their son's first step. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you guys yeah, see yeah. peaceful and humble and ready yeah. to serve. So I think greatness is, 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 is peace. Mm. My man, thanks so much for being here. No problem, my guy. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate you, man. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and not a yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.